So we are back in the book of Acts. Uh, we, we started it four weeks ago. We've been there three different times, uh, obviously three different messages. And looking at the book of Acts, we started with how Luke wrote the book of Acts as a continuation to the book of Luke to a guy by the name of Theophilus. He started out in the book of Luke about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he, came, he went to heaven. This is kind of a continuation to the rest of the story, the whole book of Acts. And through that message, we learned that Jesus lived, did, and he taught. He, he died and he rose again and he's coming back. And if that's true, we need to change our lives to live accordingly. Following that, we looked at Vision 2021. Uh, we looked at Acts chapter 1 verse 8, where we, we looked at Jesus saying, You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And we looked at how that was geographically speaking, but we can take that as a personal speaking as well. And then we... we uh, last week, we looked at what were they doing while they were waiting. The disciples were promised to receive the Holy Spirit. There's this big gap of time. They got to do something before that Holy Spirit comes, which is what we're going to look at today. Can anybody remember what they did last week? Two different, two different things. I mean, it's one thing, but what did they do? They prayed. They prayed corporately. So they got together and they prayed and they prayed constantly. We were challenged to do the same thing. Today we're going to continue with the book of Acts, with the, the feeling of the Holy Spirit. And today we start to get into the action part of the book. Because last couple weeks they've just been kind of sitting around waiting for something to happen. And from this point on, it's a mad dash up until you find yourself today. It has never stopped from that point on. So Acts chapter 2 verses 1 through 12, which is where we're going to be at. I'm not going to read every part of it, just uh, a little bit as we go. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, the sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Verse 5 says, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not these men speaking Galileans? How is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? We're going to skip up here to verse 11. It says, We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Verse 12 says, amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? That's what we're going to be focusing, but let's ask God's blessing on it first. Thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, God, for what you have taught me in studying this passage out. And may, God, we, we take it and be encouraged to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to do what it is that you've called us to do. Give me your words to say. Let the Holy Spirit speak through me. Let you be heard and not me. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So have you ever received a gift that you weren't excited about receiving or a gift that you didn't want? I mean, possibly a white elephant gift exchange. You heard you, you receive something. You're thinking this is somebody's leftover. I don't really want this. Um, or maybe it's a gift that you receive that you're not. You know, there's value in it, but you're just not sure how to use it. Uh, for me, that's electronical kinds of things. I've made no. I've not been shy about when it comes to electronics and computers. That's that's my son up there who takes care of those things. It's just not my thing. Although I know that if I was to take the time 
time to actually learn how to use that electronical thing, it would benefit me. Um, and from time to time, I do, but for the most part, I just don't want anything to do with it. You know, when it comes to driving, uh, I was one of those guys who learned to drive an automatic. And I was content to drive an automatic. I knew the, the manual was out there. I knew there was benefits to it, but I just didn't want to take the time to learn. I mean, how could I work four different body parts at the same time, right? You're steering, you're shifting. Now I can use my cell phone. No, I don't do that. But I can drink and I can eat and I can do all this. But before I, before I learned to drive a manual, I thought there's no way I want to do that. But if now I do, I have a little stick pickup. I'm making Noah learn to drive on that. Uh, because if you can drive that, you can pretty much drive anything as far as I know. I mean, even up to like a, I've driven like a, like a 12 speed in a, in a truck before because I learned, but that's kind of the catch. I couldn't let the fear or my lack of understanding keep me from utilizing what was at my disposal, what I could indefinitely be using. And today's message, I kind of feel like is like that. Uh, we're talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes people hear the Holy Spirit and they think twilight zone. I don't get that stuff. That's kind of something I cannot see. I don't know really about that. And so I'm not really going to try to take advantage of that. But what we're going to see is that if we do, God can work through us in a special way that he can't otherwise. So please stay tuned with me because this is what A.W. Tozer says about this spirit-filled life. The Spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part and parcel to the total plan of God and for His people. It's not for a select few. It's not, it wasn't just for the disciples in the Bible. It's not for spiritual elites. This is something that can be a part of each of our lives if we choose to trust Jesus as our Savior and we're walking with Him. That's what the disciples did. That's why they experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit to speak in tongues to, to different people of, that they did not know and the languages that they did not know how to speak. And the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples at Pentecost. Um, I just, I realized I just said the answer, um, but if, you, if you've paid attention in the last couple of weeks, you know who they are. In Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through 4, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in tongues. Who are the recipients of this? It's the disciples. You can look in Acts chapter 1, verse 13, and you get a list of their names of these people. Now this, this gifting of the Holy Spirit to the disciples was not something that was unexpected. If we look back at chapter 1 verses 4 through 5, he said, Jesus tells to the disciples, don't leave Jerusalem, but stay there and wait because you're going to get this Holy Spirit. On verse 8 he says, again, you're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. So they knew somehow the Holy Spirit was going to come upon them to do something. So that, wasn't, that was expected, but what was unexpected was what did that mean? They had no idea that the Holy Spirit was going to allow them to speak in tongues to people that they had never met, to speak uh, the wonders of God to people in their own tongue. Uh, the disciples knew going back to, if we look back at John chapter 14, he tells his disciples, I am going to go away. And if I do, the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to help you uh, to carry on the mission that I have set for you to do. And the disciples, the recipients of the, the Holy Spirit, they were just ordinary men. There was fishermen. 
There was a tax collector. There were, uh, there was a bunch of, the rest of them were a bunch of no-name people that you really don't hear much about through the rest of Scripture. But those are the people that God chose to use the Holy Spirit to work through them to accomplish something. Think about the disciples. Peter, he was the guy who denied Jesus three times. You have Thomas who said, I am not going to believe the ten of you about Jesus until I see Jesus and put my hands where his hands were and my hand in his side. All the disciples who fled when Jesus was being arrested, except for Peter who stuck around long enough to deny Jesus three times. These were the people who were chosen to receive the Holy Spirit. Ordinary people who could do nothing on their own. God says, I want to use you to do something greater than yourself. And it's going to be obvious that it's the Holy Spirit who is working through you. When does this take place? Uh, Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now this is one of those things that is probably more exciting for the preacher than for the hearers. Uh, I, if, you, if you can catch it the way, if I can present it correctly, I think you'll find some value in it. Get this idea of 50 days. Okay, the word Pentecost means 50 days. And it's the Greek word for the Old Testament word feast of weeks or feast of harvest. It's the same thing. Okay, so essentially what they're doing on the day of Pentecost is they're celebrating the harvest season of 50 days. Okay, you guys got that? 50 days? Okay, so at the start of the harvest season was also the, the day they celebrated Passover. You can read about Passover in Exodus chapter 12, about how the Israelites were in Egypt, and God told them, you take a little bit of blood, put it on around the door frames of your house. And if you do, the angel of death is going to come through, and he's going to pass over you. If you don't, your firstborn male is going to die. And so what they were remembering at Passover is the fact that they were rescued from the angel of death to save their firstborn son. And that, that celebration was 50 days before the day of Pentecost. Well, Jesus is our Passover. Uh, he's, he was killed at Passover time, uh, and the Last Supper was, was um, at Passover time. So 50 days after Jesus died was the day of Pentecost. So you get this 50 days, it's the same 50 days over and over again. And that's not by coincidence. Uh, I think God has something greater planned through this. You have... Um, the Jews are remembering the, the, the new harvest that was brought in. On the day of Passover, you're remembering the birth of the church, something new. It's, God wants to cement it in their mind that this is happening at the same day. You know, because if, if you have 365 days in a year, you can, you can have multiple days of 50 taking place. But all these same three events are taking place at the same 50 days. But there's something else that's special about this, this day of Passover, or this day of Pentecost. Um, it was one of three different feasts that the Jewish men of that day were supposed to attend. So you have 365 days, and there's only three feasts, three days that all these men are supposed to come to Jerusalem. Now, of those three, guess which one is the most well attended? 
The day of Pentecost, the Feast of the Harvest, was the most well-attended of all the people because the weather was the best. The traveling was the easiest. And so not only did God line this up so that you would have uh, the best travel, he, he lined it up where you'd have the most people who were there who could hear the wonders of God being spoken in their own messages. That's why it says there were uh, in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Isn't that pretty amazing? You have 365 days a year. God says, I'm going to make everything happen on the same day. You guys are going to have everybody there to celebrate the feast of, of harvest. You're going to have um, the day that the, the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples where they are able to speak in tongues to all these people. Now, here's a map. Sorry if that's kind of small, but you guys get this idea. This is a huge area. Right here is Jerusalem. That's where they are all supposed to go. Every single place that's written in red is where people came to Jerusalem to celebrate this feast, to celebrate uh, this, this harvest. And guess what those people are going to do when they hear that message? They're going to be stunned and shocked, as we're going to see, but they're going to go home. And guess what they're going to talk about all the way home? They're going to talk about what just happened in Jerusalem. These men were speaking in a language that was our language. They're average, ordinary people. They were telling us about the wonders of God. They're going to tell the, the companions they're walking home with. They're going to discuss it on the ships with the sailors. When they get back home, they're going to tell their family and friends, guess what just happened in Jerusalem? That's pretty amazing. God lined everything up to this one specific day because he wanted it to be clear that the Holy Spirit was working and he wanted them to take it back home with them wherever it was that they went. And so obviously when this is going on, it's going to surprise a lot of people. People were in bewilderment. People came rushing to the scene. What are they doing? What is going on? Uh, there were positive and there were negative effects. You know, whenever something happens, there's always a, a positive. There's always an action for every reaction. If you think about a kid throws a rock in the water. It doesn't stay completely flat and the rock dips into the water. You have a ripple effect. And that's kind of what's going on. Some people in Acts chapter 2 verse 13 says, These guys have had too much wine. They have drank way too much. And this is just gibberish that's coming out of their mouths. Um, in Acts chapter 2 verse 17 or 15 through 17, we'll see last uh, next week. This is, Peter tells these people, these men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. They're, they obviously wouldn't be drunk by that point. He says, this is what was spoken of through the prophet Joel. And it was a prophecy that these kinds of things were supposed to start taking place. And it was proof that God was real, that the Holy Spirit had come upon them, that these are the beginning of the last days. Some people are saying, you know what? You guys have had a way too much to drink but there's also the other one verses 7 through 8 says people were utterly amazed that they were hearing them speak in their own language verse 11 and 12 says or how about verse 12 says they were amazed and perplexed and they asked each other what does this mean they were um Sometimes I get ahead of my notes. Okay, they were amazed. They were astonished. They were astounded. They were in awe of what was going on. I mean, if, if somebody if stood up in here and started talking in a different language, I think that would surprise a lot of people. If we had people from all 
over the country who spoke a number of different languages. And I saw Darren get up and start talking in German or start talking in French or Spanish or whatever language you can come up with. That would be kind of surprising, right? Because Darren cannot do that. I don't think, yeah, Darren can't, right? He can't do that. We would all be surprised. Like, how is this even possible? So the people were in awe. They were perplexed. They were in a doubt of how this was actually really possible. It was newsworthy. It was something that was, so, it was known to the people of that day in that town. And it was going to spread like wildfire everywhere. And it was obviously the Holy Spirit that was working through them. This Holy Spirit sounds pretty amazing to me. It sounds like a, a, a crazy experience that these guys had. It sounds kind of like a once-in-a-lifetime thing to see the Holy Spirit do something like that in people's lives. But the Holy Spirit didn't just come that day to do something for those disciples. The Holy Spirit wants to work in your life as well as He did theirs. The promised Holy Spirit is for us. The potential is there for every believer in Jesus. Uh, there's, a, there's a difference, though. There's, there's something called the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that every Holy Spirit, every Christian has. That's why the potential is there for the Holy Spirit to work through you, because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you if you are a believer. It says, having believed, you are marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. The Holy Spirit, if you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, is a stamp, is a guarantee that you are not going to lose your salvation. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So the potential is there that the Holy Spirit can work through you. We are called to be filled with the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says, Do not be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, making it a potential, making it an option that you can have the Holy Spirit working through you in your life as well. But if you are walking in sin, if you are doing what you know is not right, if your thoughts are not right, your words are not right, your actions, if you're ignoring the Holy Spirit working inside of you, then you are not going to be filled with the Holy Spirit the way the Holy Spirit wants to and needs to work in your life. The sinful choices in your life are going to hinder the Holy Spirit. It's going to keep the Holy Spirit from doing anything inside of you. If you want the Holy Spirit to be walking or working in your life, you cannot be walking in sin. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 19 in the King James says do or the the King James says do not quench the Holy Spirit. The NIV says do not put out the Spirit's fire. To quench means to exactly what you see. You see this guy up there, he's got this hose, you see this house on fire. What is he trying to do? He's trying to stop it, right? He's trying to put out the fire. He's trying to keep it from uh, spreading. The Holy Spirit is like that fire that wants to burn inside of you, that wants to accomplish something. You know, the, or, the average fire, if you start it, is not going to be content to just burn down the house. That fire is going to spread. It wants to live. It wants to keep, as long as there's something for it to burn, it is never going to say, I've had enough. Even in the Psalms, it talks about fire saying, it's never going to be satisfied. It's always going to keep going. The Holy Spirit is like that. It wants to keep using you. It wants to keep working in your life life. But if I am walking in sin, if I'm doing what I am not supposed to do, the Holy Spirit is not free to work in my life the way he did in the disciples, the way that you hopefully want the Holy Spirit to work in your life.
Ephesians 4.30 says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. When we sin, it makes the Holy Spirit sad. It stifles Him. It keeps Him from working in your life the way that you want Him to. But if you want to be filled with the Spirit, that potential is there. Um, if we are walking with the Spirit, if we keep in step with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit can work through us. We can be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Not that you're a robot and God's going to force you to move your body around and make you go do things, you're, but you are a willing vessel that the Holy Spirit can use. You're willing to go. You're willing to move. You're willing to say. If you're walking in step with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit will work through you. Well, how do we do that? How do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, one, one way to do this is this list right here. In Colossians 3, verses 1 through 2, it says, Set your mind on things above. What That means to pursue the things that please the Holy Spirit, uh, that the Holy Spirit would want you to pursue. And I have this in red, basic, well-known Sunday school answers. There's nothing new or shocking on this list. There are no hidden secrets. This is simple, obvious, straightforward, any believer stuff. You want to be filled with the Spirit? Spend time reading His Word to see what is God trying to teach us through His Scriptures. That's how God communicates with us. But we don't just read it. We don't just sit and listen to it in church. We need to obey what it says. And if we take God's Word as simple or as extreme as it is, we put it into practice where, where the Holy Spirit can work through us. Spend time in praying and prayer, talking to God. You can even say, God, please help me to be filled with the Spirit. Uh, we're confessing our sins. We all know that we sin. Sometimes it's easy to just be like, yep, I said that thing. I did that thing and I'm moving on. Okay, I'm going to stop trying to do that, but I need to confess that sin in my life. So if you want to be, to be filled with the Spirit, confess the sins in your life. And then you have sins in your life. Rid yourselves of those sins. Uh, if, it's, if it's the computer, cut it off, get rid of it. If it's a relationship, get rid of it. If it's the TV, if it's a book, if it's music, whatever it is in your life that's causing sin in your life, Get rid of it. If you, if you cannot keep away from sin with that thing, get rid of it. Set your mind on things above. Pursue the kinds of things that the Holy Spirit wants you to pursue. And it's a guarantee that the Holy Spirit will work for, through you. Now, I, I talked a little bit about a gift. Getting a gift that I'm not sure I want. Getting a gift that I'm not sure I want to figure out how to use. And my fear is that when, it, when you look at this and kind of what do I need to do to understand how the Holy Spirit works through me, some people are going to say, no, thank you. I don't really want that. I'm not really that interested in having the Holy Spirit work through me. I hope that that is not you. I hope you say, okay. The Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit works in the lives of the disciples. I want the Holy Spirit to work in me, so I'm going to do what I need to do to have the Holy Spirit working in my life. Don't be content with the automatic. The manual is there, right? Don't be content with the easy stuff. Learn the hard stuff. Do the hard stuff, and you'll reap the benefits that there are of doing the, the, uh, of the work that it takes to have the Holy Spirit to drive the uh, manual in your life. 
But what does it look like to have the Holy Spirit in my life, working in my life? Well, for some, you're going, some people, like the disciples, uh, have, like the disciples, they were able to speak in tongues. They were able to speak in a different language to tell something to somebody about the Lord. Now, I know there's a lot of debates in a lot, a lot of religious circles about the gift of tongues and the gift of healing and those kinds of things. I personally have never seen it. I don't, I'm not even sure if those things still happen today, but I'm not going to limit God and say that he does not work that way. Because I've heard people that I've trusted who have told me that they have been around when somebody was able to do that. I don't know. I didn't want to get into it, but I'm not going to limit God. For the disciples, it was the ability to speak the wonders of God in a language that they could not already speak before. So some people might get those amazing experiences. Every believer, what do you get? You get a spiritual gift. The Holy Spirit wants to use that in your life. Some it's the gift of teaching. Some it's the gift of serving. Some it's the gift of mercy, the gift of giving. Uh, there's passages such as Ephesians chapter 4, verse, verses 11 through 13 that talk about the spiritual gifts. You have something at your disposal that the Holy Spirit wants to do through you that you can't do on your own. Um, and so for some, it's just going to be something that comes across like that. But our scripture reading, this is kind of the majority of it. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now... Uh, I'm sure we all can admit that that's me sometimes, or we can all admit that we know people who are Christians, who are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, who do not exhibit those fruits, right? There are a lot of people who, who put their faith in Jesus who are walking around with a frown on their face all the time. They do not have the peace of God. They do not have joy. They are not kind. So it's not the fact that you have the Holy Spirit that's indwelling in you that gives you the fruit of this. It's the, it's the, it's the power of the Holy Spirit being filled in your life that helps you to exhibit these things. If you're walking with the Spirit, if you're reading His Word, if you're doing what it says, if you have a relationship with God... This is going to be the natural fruit that comes out of it. If you've ever grown an apple tree or a, if you've ever grown a squash plant, right? You, those, those things grow. And what do they do? They naturally produce that fruit. They don't have a discussion about, well, should I really produce an apple or I'd rather produce an orange or I'm not going to do anything at all. It just naturally flows from it. An apple tree produces an apple. A squash plant produces a squash. Walking with the Spirit produces fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When you're walking with the Spirit, when you're filled with the Spirit, this is the kind of fruit that you are going to possess. This is what you're going to demonstrate. Some people might get something outrageous, but for the majority of us, it's going to be these things. It's going to be having the fruit of the Spirit in your life. And everybody knows that if you have peace when life stinks all around you, you are better off. If I have joy in spite of my circumstances, if I, if I have the ability to show kindness to my enemy, we all feel good when the Spirit is working through us. It's that gift that's yours, that you are supposed to take advantage of, but you got to understand it. you got to do what it takes in order to experience it. The, when is this going to take place? 
When am I going to experience the filling of the Holy Spirit? You know, uh, I don't know. The disciples, they, didn't, they woke up that morning, that Pentecost morning, before 9 o'clock in the morning, and they had no idea what that day was going to bring. They didn't have... They had no idea that they, that day that the Holy Spirit was going to come upon them to do something radical and amazing that had never been seen before. The disciples weren't given a countdown. T minus 10 days from the day Jesus went to heaven. In 10 days, this is going to happen. They had no idea. Um, God just had the perfect timing. Everybody's in Jerusalem. They're there for a feast anyway. They're already celebrating. They're not going to forget this, and then they're going to take this with them. God had the perfect timing. And if God's going to use you in your life to do something better with the spiritual gift that you have, He's going to have the perfect day, the perfect hour, the perfect moment for that to be completed. You want the, you want the Holy Spirit to work? God keeps the details of when that's going to show up to himself. But the guarantee is there. He is going to do that. What kind of effect or impact is that going to have? Well, for the disciples, when, when they started speaking in tongues, people started making fun of them. You've had too much wine. You guys are talking gibberish. You're wasting, I don't know what you're doing, right? And when you are, when you're loving your enemy because the Holy Spirit's working on you to love your enemy, if you have the peace when the whole world doesn't, people might look at you and say, you're the one with the problem. You, how can you do that? I, I don't want anything to do with you. Uh, they might think it, as you are the one uh, who should be rejected. People are going to reject your message. That's part of it. You share the gospel with somebody, people are going to reject it. But there's also going to be positives. People are going to believe the message that you share. Your life is going to be changed. Like I just said with the fruit of the Spirit, your life is going to be better if you're walking in step with the Spirit. If the Spirit is filling your life, you're going to have the peace when nobody else does. You're going to have the joy. You're going to be able to share the kindness of God with other people. Your life is just going to be better and people are going to see that. You know, sometimes we get gifts that we don't want. Sometimes it's a white elephant gift. Sometimes it's electronical and I get it and I think, I don't want anything to do with this. Even yesterday we were doing the white cross and if you've been there, you'll understand this. I should have one up here, but there's these cool little devices that Steve's dad made a long time ago. It's, it's a piece of wood and a little piece of metal and you, you stick your little piece of cloth in there and you start rolling it up. Very, very simple, but genius saves lots of time. You put, and anyway, so yesterday, that's what I am. I'm the old-fashioned guy, right? Give me a book. Don't give me a computer. Give me this little twisty thing. Well, the option that you had besides that, my kids took advantage of. That's the drill gun, right? And I'm like, there's no, I can't handle the drill gun. And you're trying to like slowly put this thing on. But I finally got talked into doing it. And guess what I just learned? I can do this. This is quicker. This is easier than trying to just roll it like this. So I'm that guy who, who, who gets the gift of the, the old dinosaur person and says, I'm going to keep it this way, but there's something else that's better, and that's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Don't be the person who's satisfied with just living my life however I want. The Holy Spirit wants to do something better in your life if you are, will let Him. So spend time reading God's word. Spend time in prayer. Spend time confessing your sins to the Lord. Ridding yourself of the sin. And asking God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Don't let the unknown stop you from doing what you were commanded to do. To be filled with the Spirit. I want to close with this quote one more time. And then we'll pray. 
The Spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It's not something that was just meant for the pastor or just meant for the missionaries or just meant for the disciples in that day. This was something that God says is a part of the total plan for all of his people. You have this at your fingertips. The Holy Spirit is just chomping at the bits inside of you, wanting to work through you. But you have the opportunity to quench the Spirit or you have the opportunity to walk with the Spirit. It's a choice that you have to make, and I hope and pray that you choose to walk with the Spirit instead of quenching it by the sin of your life. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for what you have taught me about this, about making sure that I am walking in step with the Spirit, that I am making sure that I am constantly uh, spending time with you in prayer and reading your word and obeying what it says. God, I just pray for all of us in here. I know the Holy Spirit is one of those things that we can't see, and it gets kind of confusing at times because we don't have a concrete thing, so to speak, as as Jesus was in a, a physical body. And I just pray that you'd help each of us as we read your word, as we do what it says, that we would feel the Holy Spirit inside of us. We would have the peace that passes understanding. We would have the fruits of the Spirit showing up in our life, and we would recognize that and say, I want to keep that for all time. Let it be something that's demonstrated and lived out. And let let it be something that other people take a notice of as well and want that. I just pray for each of us, God, that we'd be filled with your Holy Spirit more and more. And we'd see you working in our lives in a real and a special way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.